What's up, guys? Run the Gauntlets Fantasy Football Podcast. Before we start the show today, we just want to give you guys some info on how you could engage with us a little bit more online. Uh, we just wanted to let anyone know who was not aware that we have a Facebook. You can find us at Run the Gauntlet. Instagram, we have Run the Gauntlet, all in lowercase letters, capital FF. It's lowercase FF, isn't it? This is lowercase. It is lowercase FF. Run the Gauntlet FF, all in lowercase. SoundCloud or iTunes, you look up Run the Gauntlet, colon Fantasy Football. And if you want to find us on YouTube, we are posting all of our podcasts on the Game Changer Sports Network. Go ahead and follow them on YouTube to keep up with us if you don't already. Also, we run $5 DraftKings tournaments weekly, guys. We do the Sunday and Monday night games, primetime only. Only two games make it a little bit easier or a little bit harder, however you look at it. Test yourselves out against some experts, though, guys. Get a little bit better. If you are interested in that, the link will be provided in the description of whatever platform you're listening to. So without further ado, today we are going to be talking about some players that you might have been relying on in the first week of your fantasy playoffs that did not perform for you last week that are candidates for a bounce back this week, along with exploring some over-unders this week for certain statistics for certain players that we think have a good chance of playing well this week, guys. Enjoy the show. Guys, thank you once again for tuning in to the Run the Gauntlet Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Jimmy LeBeau. Across from me is Justin Alfaro. And guys, fantasy playoffs are almost in the books entirely. The quarterfinals, first week of the playoffs, threw some real curveballs. Some guys that we really thought were going to do well, some real blue chip names, really disappointed a lot of owners. And that's including, that's only talk about the ones who were on the field, let alone the ones that were not on the field. Um, we're going to try and help you guys out for the semifinals. We're going to try and get, get some of these guys right. We've put together a list of some over-unders for certain players and certain statistics, as well as some players that we think could really break out that maybe last week did not. Which one of those would you like to start with, man? Either or works for me. Um, I think we'll just start right with the uh, bounce back candidates. Some blue chip players did not produce the way you would want them in the first round of the playoffs. And unfortunately enough, both of these guys were the highest ranked players in their positions coming into the season. So if you have these guys, you drafted them really high in your drafts. And I'm talking about Antonio Brown and Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley did absolutely nothing versus the Chicago Bears. And I think that's just, um, what's the word, a an effect of the Bears' defense, not an indictment of the Rams' offense. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. I think um, I think a lot of people know the Bears' defense is really good, but I thought that was a big statement game for them to come in against the Rams, who people, including myself, quite frankly, looked at as a pretty invincible offense led by Sean McVay and them, and uh, they couldn't do a damn thing against the Bears. It's crazy. Nah, it was really bad. That was, that was embarrassing, and granted, Chicago is one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the Bears' defense is absolutely monstrous at home. But you, you expect to be able to run the football. You expect to be able to play some ground and pounds. And the Rams just did not have want anything to do with that. Mm-mm. I think next week when you see him play the Philadelphia Eagles, also in prime time, you know, this is this, Ty Gurley's got to help out his fantasy owners, right? He's got to help out the guys buying his jerseys. And on that, going beyond Todd Gurley, I think it's just a good bounce-back week for the entire Rams' offense. Uh the Eagles, unlike the Bears, are allowing nearly 300 yards per game to quarterbacks, 
nearly 200 yards per game to wide receivers and almost 140 all-purpose yards to running backs per game. So you're looking at polar opposites here, along with the fact that they just lost Carson Wentz. Obviously, they have the real Super Bowl champion, the real starter starting now. But I think the Eagles' defense, um, I don't think they could hold the Rams under 24 points. I don't even think there's a chance of that. I'll be 100% honest with you. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Not on Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you something that you just said. You really believe Nick Foles is the rightful starter on the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, it was a little bit of trolling going on, but I'll tell you, uh, if he does it again somehow, um, not win the Super Bowl, just make the Eagles look better than they've played all season, uh, he's at least earning a contract this offseason with somebody. Probably not the Eagles, because they they should stick with Wentz. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're better with Nick Foles. It's going to be weird, because next year we're going to see on the free agent market. I'm really excited to see where guys go, because I think there are certain fantasy situations across the league. That would benefit from a quarterback like Nick Foles. That would benefit from a free agent quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. I agree with that. And it'll be interesting seeing it's the next year. But we got to worry about this year first. And this year's not over yet. We were talking about Antonio Brown also this week versus New England. Uh, what I think is an important thing here is that Pittsburgh, I did not know this, has lost their last five games to the Patriots. And obviously, A.B. was on the team for all of them. So it was Ben Roethlisberger. They usually combine for over 45 points combined. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is just one of those games. This is a blue-chip football game. I'm expecting blue-chip guys to shine. Uh, and I'm expecting Antonio Brown to bounce back huge in this game because why wouldn't he against the Patriots? Exactly. This is when guy. This is when the best players in the world, this is when they show up. Yeah. This is a Super Bowl preview. Well, AFC Championship. Uh, yeah, yeah, my mistake. AFC Championship preview. The Steelers win this as a statement game the same way the Chargers made a statement versus the Chiefs. Especially after losing to Oakland. I'm sure they're not happy about that. No, 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 no. Ben Roethlisberger, well, he's, he's nicked up. He's managed to get to week time. 15 with only being nicked up. Yeah. <laughs> the rule change has been benefiting Ben Roethlisberger in the type of way with his league-leading attempts right now. Uh, Well, we got some easy ones in, right? So we got the Rams offense and Antonio Brown versus New England. Uh, I think another one, uh, Cortland Sutton versus the Browns. This was a big one. I was on him last week. A lot of people were on Cortland Sutton last week. One week removed from Emmanuel Sanders. He had just had four receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown in that game. He was held for two receptions and 14 yards against San Francisco's secondary. That was obviously shocking to everybody. Yeah. I would assume you included. Uh, Denver was actually really only able to score 14 points in that game, uh, which speaks to how inconsistent they've been offensively this year. Uh, that being said, this game should definitely be competitive, and the Browns are allowing the fourth, mo- fourth most receptions per game to the wide receiver position. While it hasn't translated to points per se, I still think Cortland Sutton is the most talented receiver on the roster, and I definitely think he should have some PPR value in this game. And uh, at that point, he has potential for a touchdown, I think, against the Browns. Yeah, 100%. That, and it's weird because it's also a Saturday night game. It's going to be a prime time. And a guy like Cortland Sutton is going to want to make a name for himself in a game like this. Absolutely. And, uh, again, the games we haven't been seeing on Sunday, even though they've only been Thursdays, our samples have been bizarre, to say the least. Yeah. There's always uh, some sort of event going on in the games that aren't the Sunday games. And uh, I think Cortland Sutton is at least safe in PPR this week. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the guy to own – in Denver, is actually Deshaun Hamilton. Mm. I think he's the guy that's not going to be getting the uh, same coverage as Cortland Sutton. That's really the only thing that's. I'm not saying Deshaun Hamilton is a better receiver than Cortland Sutton, 
What I'm saying is he's not going to get the same number one corner priority as Cortland Sutton will. Which is fair. And my next bounce back candidate, kind of bouncing off that same concept, is Sterling Shepard. Mm-hmm. Last week he only had 9.7 points in a game where the Giants won, what was it, 40-16? to 16? Yeah, when they were up early. They were up fast and early. But still, it was I'm, not Sterling. Sterling Shepard did not get in on that action. And that was without Odo Beckham, and they have no Odo Beckham again this week. And I think versus the Tennessee Titans at home, Tennessee traveling to New York. I mean, Tennessee has not been proven to be able to do very well this season as travel. No, and uh, this is a huge game for the for the Titans, by the way. If they lose this game and if the Colts were to beat the Cowboys, that pretty much spells the season for the Titans most likely. Not oh, mathematically, yeah. but I mean. It, it would definitely be a large I'm also, I'm also assuming the Texans beat the Jets in all of this. Yeah. If the Jets manage to pull off that upset, then the AFC South is in total disarray. The Colts could very easily win that. The Titans could very easily win that. The Texans could still very easily win that. The only team that can't win that is the Jaguars, and they don't deserve to win anything. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, because, you know, they're, they are... Worlds, this was your chance and you blew it. I don't want to... Well, I'm not even going to get into it. This is just It just bothers me with the way he... He bothers me very much. So, um, formerly top six, no more. Uh, he showed flashes of finally putting it together, and not even once. And like I was saying earlier about uh, a receiver getting more opportunities because the number one corner or the entire scheme of the defense is situated around one player. The play action game with Saquon Barkley versus the Tennessee Titans should be on point, mm-hmm. and. There's no denying Sterling Shepard's talent. And if it's just a Sterling Shepard and the Evan Ingram and the Saquon Barkley show, that's still enough talent all over the place for no one to really be missing Odell Beckham in terms of how they attack the defense. Like, obviously, as a team, you want Odell Beckham out there. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Odell Beckham is the only player in the Giants and you can now key in on the number two receiver like people are doing with Denver. Yeah, that's true. They do have a lot of talent, the Giants, unfortunately. Just, you know, their problems are their problems. The problems are literally just their offensive line. Like it's literally their only problem. And it's embarrassing because they're wasting probably the last year, last year, maybe two years of Eli Manning's windows a playoff quarterback. And with a line, they definitely had a good shot of uh, of doing something, but it's just unfortunate that they failed to address it the way they should have. Uh, I think a good bounce-back candidate for the week, in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and guarantee a bounce-back for this guy, is Kirk Cousins versus Miami. Uh, John Filippo was fired after the Vikings had that terrible game versus Seattle. Uh, and a lot of people are blaming Cousins. They should probably stop doing that. I get it. He's 4-24 and versus teams above 500. Luckily, he's versing the Dolphins, who even if they are above 500, I don't care. What are they, 7-6 and six at yeah. best? I don't care. If there's one thing I know about football, I know a couple things about football, not a lot. It's that the Dolphins are terrible. And right now we're living in a bizarre world where the Vikings offense isn't good and the Miami Dolphins just pulled off a miracle versus the Patriots. So the, it has to balance out here. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to go off this week. Without Xavier Howard, the Dolphins secondary is thinner than ever. Uh, they've allowed 20-plus fantasy points to every quarterback not named Sam Darnold since week six. Obviously, you would know as a Jets fan, Sam Darnold threw, what, four interceptions against them? Yeah, something like that. 
358 yards they allowed to Brady last week with three touchdowns. And Andrew Luck uh, in week 12 threw for 347 yards and three touchdowns against them. Cousins should have a day. I think there's too much talent. I'm going over 300 yards and a two-touchdown minimum for Kirk Cousins against the Dolphins. You see, I had another um, bounce-back candidate also on the Vikings offense, and that was Adam Thielen. It's been a while. He hasn't really been – he slowed down. Mm-hmm. Like, he hasn't – he that pace he was on has stopped. It was unsustainable Man. from the start. Yes. With Diggs next to him. Yes, it was 100% unsustainable, and Stephon Diggs also needed to get his numbers, so it was inevitable that Adam Thielen would slow down. Mm-hmm. But I think when you take a warm-weather Southern Florida team like the Miami Dolphins – and tell them you have to go to Minneapolis in the middle of December. And then you got to play an offense with the Minnesota Vikings and a defense like the Minnesota Vikings? Nah, man. Adam Thielen's going to shine in this game. Adam Thielen also wants to get those numbers back up. The Minnesota Vikings still want to win their well, win their division. I think they're basically out of it for the division. Uh, they have to win their out. Their playoff chances are obviously alive. Yeah, but they need to get the wild card. and That means they have to win out. Yeah. <coughs> and, uh, I mean, I'd imagine that part of the uh, problem with John Filippo was potentially the fact that Adam Thielen had slowed down and they haven't made a conceded effort to get him as involved as he was in the offense. Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm sure if they featured him more, he would be in a much better situation. He'd probably still have his job. Another running back, actually, this is the first running back I'm talking about, that I think that will have a bounce-back performance is Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen last week versus the Rams defense had 13 PPR points. That's actually been pretty low for him. He's been averaging 20 per game over the past three games. Mm. And you take a riddled by injury Packer defense, a weak, young secondary like the Green Bay Packers, mm. and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is just going to you know throw the ball down the field at whim, it, it's going to be a situation. I think there's going to be a really positive game flow for Tariq Cohen to potentially see 10-plus targets as well as probably 10 carries. I definitely wouldn't argue that. And that's just, that, that has been proven to be RB1 stuff when it's, when it's clicking with Trubisky. Absolutely. Uh, bounce back candidate again. <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson versus the New York Jets. Uh, their eight-game winning streak, which could have been nine, was just snapped by the Colts. I am sure that the Texans are not happy about that, and I think maybe they got slapped with reality a little bit that the division isn't quite theirs yet, although very close. They're very close. Uh, and it starts this week versus the Jets. Um, the Jets, what can we say about the New York Jets? They've allowed over 100 yards on the ground to Josh Allen in this past game, along with 42 yards to Mariota the week before. Why is this important? Obviously, Deshaun Watson's an incredible running quarterback. The only quarterback to score under 20 fantasy points versus the Jets this year was Brock Osweiler in Week 9. And then you had the combination, right, when the Browns, um, if Baker Mayfield had played that whole game, he would have scored 20-plus points versus the Jets. Yeah. But obviously, Tyrod Taylor went like 4 for 14 to start. Uh, so, again, I think Deshaun Watson, with the way they're playing, because they didn't play bad versus the Colts. The Colts just won the game. Um, I think this is, this is a big-time bounce-back game for Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to uh, win a couple people some games this week. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Over under for Deshaun Watson. 300 all-purpose yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns for Deshaun Watson. Oh, I am going to say over for both. Uh, I think he is probably going to have 300 passing yards alone. And even if he has 270, I trust him to make it up with his legs. Um, 
I'd also say that at least two passing touchdowns. Josh Allen, Brock Osweiler, and Matt Stafford in week one, which barely counts at this point in the season, are the only quarterbacks this season to not throw two-plus touchdowns on the Jets this season. So excluding Matt Stafford, who's better quarterback than the other two, Josh Allen and Brock Osweiler are the only quarterbacks who couldn't pull it off. I think Deshaun Watson should definitely get two passing touchdowns, I think maybe even more. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, I guess we should just stick with the over-unders while we're at it, right? Yeah. How about Amari Cooper versus the Colts at seven receptions and 100 yards? Um, I'm actually going to take the under on the yards and say he's going to hit 88. Mm-hmm. Oof, the exact numbers. Uh, yeah, like he's going to be close there. He's going to have an incredible game, Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see the Colts secondary totally try and key, on, key in on him, as well as the Colts' defense is very good against the run. So they're going to be in situations where the Cowboys are going to have to throw because I don't think they're going to be able to run for over four yards carry versus the Colts. Yeah, which you can make two arguments for. You can make the argument that it would make them predictable, which would work against Amari Cooper. Or what I think, as we talk about this, is that the Colts have no answer right now for what Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott are doing. Tell me their answer. Is it Quincy Wilson? I don't think so. No. Is it Kenny Moore? I don't think so. How about Nate Hairston? Do you think maybe that would be a thing? Pierre Desir? I don't think they have an answer in the secondary. Maybe they're safeties, but uh, I think if they're going to stick with that intermediate game with Amari Cooper, I don't think the Colts have an answer for that. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a tough draw for the Colts. It's definitely not one of those things that they're the person that exactly matches up well for. It's just the pace that they're going at is somewhat unsustainable, and we haven't seen Dak string together games quarterbacking and throwing the football the way he's been doing. Mm-hmm. For a couple seasons now, well, I think he's I think he's lacked um, I think he's lacked a, a number one receiver. I think it's only fair, right? I think Amari yeah. Cooper really. I mean, you could make the argument that Dez was, but he clearly wasn't playing the same. Amari Cooper is doing much better for Dak Prescott than Dez Bryant was. Uh, I think the Colts' only chance to hold him under both of these would be to um, it would probably be to mix up blitz packages and probably try to get Dak Prescott moving, but if he's just going to stand in the pocket, he's a fairly accurate quarterback, and uh, I, I don't think that they could stop Amari Cooper. That's fair. I have an over under for you. Mm-hmm. Juju versus the New England Patriots. Juju Smith-Schuster, one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL as of the season statistically. Mm-hmm. 100 yards and a touchdown over under. Um, this was a tough one because I have no real confidence in my answer. Uh, but considering what I think of the potential of this week for Antonio Brown, as I think Antonio Brown's going to have the best week for a fantasy wide receiver, that'd be my guess this week. Uh, I'm going to have to go under the 100 yards, and I'll go even on the touchdown. I think he'll get a touchdown. Uh, listen. I'm not too confident in this. Uh, Juju's just going to have to eat the L this week. And not a real L, just an over-under L. Yeah. But I, I think that he would be under 100 yards, and I, I would trust him to get a touchdown. I don't think he'll get both, though. You see, I actually have him as both, and that's not even biased aside, because I mm-hmm. do own a bit of Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. It's just, I do trust him in a game versus the Patriots, too. I'm not going to say, like, they've passed the torch from Brown to Schuster, because that's so disrespectful. But, but Juju has carved his own path in that offense. 
And it'd be very telling for him in his second year matchup versus the Patriots to really send the message. Yeah. Well, we'll just let's clarify with this over-under. I am not making the case that Juju Smith-Schuster would not have a productive game in fantasy football. I'm just saying under 100 yards. Uh, I mean, that could still be 90 yards and a touchdown, quite frankly, on eight receptions. I, I see that as perfectly possible. In fact, closer to likely than anything else. Yeah, I just true. don't think he will get both, as I think Antonio Brown's going to get both, and I don't think they will both get both. Although they did have one week this year where that happened. I forget who it was first. But it's rare. Yeah. Uh, another over-under I would have for you. We might as well stick on that game. How about Big Ben Roethlisberger for 310 yards and two touchdowns? I have him actually over on the yards mm-hmm. and even on the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think two touchdowns is totally reasonable for Roethlisberger through the air. I think that you do have the potential here for one on the grounds. I do think that's a possibility because, you know, he, he Ben Roethlisberger is a warrior. He's no problem taking the hits. This is why he's always banged up and leaving games last week mm-hmm. and screwing people in their <laughs> fantasy playoffs. But besides the point, I do think the New England Patriots only present an average defense and elite high-level offense versus average defense. I'll take the elite offense every time. As you should. Um, One over-under for you, sir. Joe Mixon, the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Oakland Raiders, over-under. 100 yards, over-under four receptions. Is 100 all-purpose yards? Uh, yes. All right. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with over on both of them. The Oakland Raiders have allowed well over 100 yards per game to every running back this season other than the past two weeks where they've allowed 96 yards and 97 yards, respectively. So right there at 100. Okay. Uh, and that's that's not counting Week 3 against the Dolphins. Uh, a lot of the times I, I dismiss some of the stuff that happens in the first month of the season, uh, especially at this point in the season. Um, so that doesn't carry much water with me. Uh, but again, I'd say over on both. They've allowed three-plus receptions to the running back position in seven of their past eight games, the Oakland Raiders, and uh, neither of these teams are very good. So I actually think it's going to be a competitive game, and I think Joe Mixon's going to benefit from that. Yeah. Huge game for Mixon, I say. I agree with you on that 100%. I actually own Mixon. I actually picked him up at DraftKings quite a few times. Uh, what I'm nervous about with Mixon is that he wouldn't get the touchdown. Yeah, that is, that's definitely concerning, but I think Oakland presents an awesome opportunity for him to get one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about the Giants before, and you brought up Sterling Shepard without Odell Beckham. Uh, but I thought someone who took advantage a little bit last week was Evan Ingram. He had three receptions for 77 yards without Beckham. This might be a great opportunity for uh, Evan Ingram to finally get himself back in on the offense this week. This would be two straight weeks without Odell Beckham for him. So how about Evan Ingram, five receptions and 70 yards versus the Tennessee Titans? I'm taking the over on both. Taking the over on both. That's a big, have, that's a big prediction. I know. I actually have Evan Ingram in my top seven tight ends for the week. Like, I think he's right in that upper to mid, up, mid to upper tier of tight ends. So now you said over on both. I want numbers. I want a prediction. It's not going to be much. It'll probably be 680. You giving him a touchdown? Oh, I think he gets a touchdown, yeah. So you're using him in DraftKings this week, I'd be assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably, I, I see the potential for 20 points. I also see the potential for four. Yeah, well, that is the problem with Evan Ingram. And, like, that's all tight ends. If you were in a position right now where you're just signing between Evan Ingram, who I'm seeing on the waiver wire quite a bit, and, like, Cameron Braid, 
I would say Cameron Brate's a bad option. Oh, I, w- I would go with the upside of uh, with Evan Ingram on that one. Yeah, like you play to win the game. You do that in real football, and you do that in fantasy football. Sometimes, especially at tight end, just play the upside. When push comes to shove in the playoffs, you want to be the guy that was right, not the guy who was cautious. Yeah, played it safe and lost because of it. Especially at the tight end position, I think it's really important to stress that you play upside unless you have an absolute stud. But other than that, there's not a you know if it's if it's not if it's not Kelsey, if it's not even Gronk hasn't always been safe every game this year. But you, you he hasn't res- been there. You respect him as such when he's on the field. Uh, if it's not Gronk, if it's not Kelsey, if it's not Zach Ertz, uh, if it's not George Kittle, deserves some respect. Plenty of respect, actually. Yeah. Uh, then it's really not safe at the tight end position. So a lot of the times, I just opt to play the upside and I accept the floor. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Nijoku, for example, mm-hmm. his floor is higher than his upside, but which has made it really challenging to predict him on the right weeks because. Yeah, essentially his upside's 50 yards and a touchdown, but you'd almost expect it to come with some sort of consistency. With the way Baker Mayfield plays, but it is not. It is not at all. So this one might be a little contrarian. Um, the guy's actually been the second leading receiver on the Panthers in the past couple weeks, but Curtis Samuel versus the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. Yeah, this was an interesting one because uh, when you had initially given me, you had given me over under eight targets and over under sixty yards. Uh, when I initially saw that, I was like definitely under. But then I looked, and that's two straight weeks with eight plus targets. He had eight and eleven targets. Uh, after not getting eight targets once all season prior prior to these past two games. That being said, uh, I just think there's a couple too many weapons here for me to count on him doing it three times a row. So I'm going to go under eight targets, although I think he has carved a niche in this offense. Uh, so it might be barely under eight targets, but I don't think he's going to hit the eight targets. That being said, I do think he's going to get over 60 yards. Over this two-game stretch, he's averaging 17 yards per catch, just around there. It's an approximate number. Uh, And New Orleans is allowing 14 yards per catch this season, so I think that's a pretty good formula if you were to get five receptions, four receptions, even three receptions to get 60-plus yards. Dude, he's he's been a very surprising player. He's proven to be a nice option for Cam Newton. Well, I mean, he popped off a little bit last year, too. He had his moments. Curtis Samuel, they're pretty high on him. I believe he was a third-round draft pick, and uh, if not for an injury, he could have had a much bigger role on this team. Yeah. Dude, the future in Carolina is DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And Devin Funches. I don't think there's a need to count him out. But by the time those guys are peaking, Devin Funches will be on his way out. That's not fair to say. I think he's been an excellent red zone threat for them. He's been stability. He's been healthy. Oh, I'm not saying he's, he's a, a big bad receiver player. when both of those guys are small. Oh, oh yeah, they, they they need a red zone threat around him. That being said, DJ Moore does play bigger than he is. Yeah, no, he can go up. He can go yeah, up. he could definitely. He uses his body well, also. Uh, this is a fun one. Um, we were talking about Nick Foles before. Let's talk about Nick Foles again. Uh, versing the former team he played for, the Rams. Obviously, that stint didn't go well, and I'm sure. They're regretting, maybe. Well, probably not. They have Jared Goff. But uh, who knows what Nick Foles could have done with Sean McVay. How about over under 280 yards and over under two touchdowns for Nick Foles versus the Rams on Sunday Night Football? Under. It's not even close. Listen, Nick Foles versus the Los Angeles Rams. Yes. This is incredibly... Incredibly difficult of a matchup for him. 
Right, that he is home, that does help him. Revenge. Revenge. Revenge against who? Jack Fisher? He's not even there anymore. Revenge against the organization as a whole. Ah! They didn't believe in Nick. They didn't believe in Nick. What? the deals, for whatever it's worth. Well, they just happened to have believed in Sam Bradford, is what happened there. So, I mean, I think that's a separate situation entirely, because uh, if you want to show me where Sam Bradford's playoff resume is, uh, I can't find it. I've been looking all day. It doesn't exist. Oh, very interesting. He's a bum. He's Sam Bradford. Yes. He's not a good quarterback. Regardless, Nick Foles has too tough of a matchup against too good of a pass rush to go for 280 and 2. Maybe 280, maybe like 200 and two interceptions, I'll give him. No, 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 no. So under 280 yards. So you don't think he'll touch, you think he's under two touchdowns also? Yeah. Oof. He's under two touchdowns, he's going to have two picks. So what are you saying? 200 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, two picks? Does that sound right? Or maybe yeah. even worse? No, that's about it? it. Oh, man. That's unfortunate. I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping for Nick Foles to go off this week. That's just fun. So my bad. Yeah, I, I want him to go off. It's just I, I can't realistically see it happening. All right. So this is my last over-under for you, Justin. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams. Going to keep it short. I'm not going to ask you for your yards total. But eight receptions and a touchdown. Over-under. Uh, this one's pretty tough because I think these are just reasonable numbers for him. Uh, but I want to make a choice here. I want to make a stand. Uh, the Bears are allowing a 55.8% catch rate over the past two months. If the Packers want to stand any chance in this game, they do need to target Devontae Adams. Because they're certainly not good enough if they don't versus the Bears. Eight receptions, to me, seems like a good even spot. Seems like a good even spot at eight receptions, but I don't think he gets any more than that. So to just for the sake of not picking even and not picking over, because I don't think that's possible, I'm going to pick under eight receptions for Devontae Adams. And in the process, I don't think he's going to get a touchdown. He has a touchdown in three straight games. Uh, he hasn't done four straight all season. Uh, most people don't. Yeah, frankly. it's very difficult. Very, very difficult to do. Uh, and this is a very good defense he's versing. So I think that streak snaps here. Uh, And on top of that, they haven't allowed eight receptions and a touchdown, the Bears defense, to any receiver this year except Stephon Diggs. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, This is a running back you like, uh, so I figured, you know, try to play with you a little bit here. After that miracle play last week, what do you think of Kenyon Drake over under 10 touches and over under 80 yards this week versus the Minnesota Vikings? You see, this is going to be a tough game for Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins are a warm-weather southern team going all the way up north to play the Vikings in Minnesota. That's not easy. That's actually one of the most challenging things you could ask a football team to do. It's no different than asking any other team to go into Jacksonville or Miami and play in over 100 degrees in September. Miami, the cold weather concerns me. It's not that it's majorly concerning, but I think... I'm going to say under for Drake on the yards, but I'm going to give him slightly over on the touches. Because he could still have like a seven yards per touch, eight yards per touch, if he gets like, what? Well, not like seven or six rather, not eight, because then he would meet, meet, meet it. Yeah. If he gets like 12 touches and he mm-hmm. averages six yards per carry, he's still under it, and that's an incredible game. Yeah. 
I think what you're looking for with Kenyon Drake is the uh, touches to be in the PPR sense. Yeah, well, that's definitely what I was getting at. Uh, he has a tendency to average a lot of yardage. Uh, I wish I had gotten the stat, but um, every time he's catching the ball, I feel like he's really good at making moves after he catches it. Kenyon Drake, I actually think, is extremely talented in open space, so talented that I don't know why they don't use him more, but I'm sure they have their reasons. Yeah, he might not be as uh, versatile between the tackles. Mm. Like, it's definitely being shown this year that they prefer Frank Gore over him, so that says a lot. Frank Gore, even at 35, is a better between the tackles runner than most, actually. Oh, he's he's a, he's one of the goats. Yeah, he's definitely a, a low-key Hall of Famer that a lot of people uh, probably won't appreciate until he retires, unfortunately. The inconvenient truth. The inconvenient... Well, he hasn't been inconvenient since he was like 26 to 25, oh, but yeah. the name still lingers. It'll never go away. It's a great name. It now, great that's name. more of an inconvenience than versum. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the truth that he's inconvenient. Yeah, well, it's also an inconvenience to own him. Frank Gore actually is inconvenient. We could stick with that. He's inconvenient for fantasy purposes. Yeah, 100%. He has been inconsistent left and right. He broke LT's record, so good for him. He's fin now fifth all-time in scrimmage yards in the NFL. Which, some of the running backs that have played in this league, it's very interesting. Yeah. Because he's he's much less talented than a lot of guys. It's not that he's less talented. It's just that he's... Well, is he a top five talent all-time? No, but my, he's... My point. Yeah. Is he a top 10 talent all time? Probably not. Could be. Can you think of 13 people more talented than him playing right now? Than Frank Gore in his prime? Well, that's the next thing. His prime was also Frank Gore's prime. It's kind of his prime was it's, equivalent to LT and Sean Alexander. It's just, it's weird because I just know this, it's, Frank Gore has just been the old Frank Gore that still gets the job done now for like four or five years. And it's almost Easy to forget how amazing he was in his prime. Yeah. In fact, speak of running backs that are absolutely amazing and in their prime, uh, I just think it's worth discussing for those who own him or probably picked him up, quite frankly, because he was probably a free agent in your league, depending on the depth of it. Uh, Derrick Henry just had that huge game. What do you have in our league? Like 71 points? Something like that. I think everywhere else was like 50 and change. 17 carries, 238 yards, and four touchdowns in that amazing 99-yard run. One of my favorite runs I've ever seen, quite frankly. Oh, it was it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of him going forward as uh, he versus – sorry to do that. As he versus um, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Colts to end the season. Do you see any other big games for Derrick Henry? He might get a touchdown in one, maybe two of those three. But I think he's way too boomer bust, way too inconsistent, way too unreliable in the passing game to start in the fantasy playoffs unless you're absolutely desperate. So you're saying basically that was the game, don't fall for it. Derrick Henry next year is going to get drafted in like the sixth round because of that game. And it's literally just going to be people make the same mistake over and over and over again. This is what we know about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is wildly inconsistent. And Derrick Henry is, I'm just, he's an average at best running back with prototype size. Yeah, a very, very above average strength. If Trent Richardson had the same offensive line as the Tennessee Titans, he could have had some of the performances Derrick Henry has had in his career. Sure, but Trent Richardson did have some decent performances in his career, at least for the Browns. Uh, I don't think he was quite the physical specimen that Derrick Henry was, not for anything. Uh, Derrick Henry. But probably could take up pass rushing 
if he uh, if he ever decides to not be a running back anymore with the size of him. Was he 6'3", 240 pounds? Some crazy shit. Incredible. Yeah, some crazy. An incredible specimen. Uh, that being said, I don't think he's an incredible specimen for fantasy either. I just feel the need to address this. Uh, that being said... There are there is like a tier of guys that I would probably start him over. Like I think I would start him over Kenyon Drake. Really? I think I would. At least in standard. Only in standard. Uh and depending I again, you know, playing the upside, uh who knows, man. Maybe uh I really like Derrick Henry at the part of the season. That's part of my bias here is that uh I believe we'd had the discussion on the show. I thought that Derrick Henry was actually at least had the potential to show that he was way too good to be in a competition with Deion Lewis. Clearly, that didn't happen. All I know is that Deion Lewis is not capable of doing that in the way that Derrick Henry did that in any way, shape, or form. Wow. Um, how do I put this? Deion Lewis could not do that the same way. Deion Lewis would never have 200 all-purpose yards like the way Derrick Henry did it. But I think Deion Lewis is a more all-around complete back than Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry just took advantage of his opportunity. And good for him. Good for him. That's the type of game that when you have the chance to have it, you grab it and you, you keep running. Yeah, absolutely. And you stiff arm anyone trying to stop you out of your way. But, like, mm, I just don't like Derrick Henry a lot. I know you don't like Derrick Henry. That's kind of why I brought him up. I'm so incredibly biased against Derrick Henry. I'm not, like, obviously when I'm making my point, taking the bias out of it. It's just, if I can help it, I'd rather play some some people over Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think that would uh, that would not be a bad idea. Uh, as far as who they are, though, I think that's kind of where it gets interesting because there's only so many very good running backs in fantasy football at this time. That's true. Given a couple of injuries and things like that. That's very true. Um, I'd say Derrick Henry is a better option than... Actually, he's definitely the worst option in the division. Maybe. Is he better than Marlon Mack? There you go. Is he better than Marlon Mack? Is he a better option than Marlon Mack? Oh, nah. if, if, if you had to, in your flex this week, Marlon Mack versus the Dallas Cowboys or Derrick Henry versus the New York Giants? I think you you should take Henry. I think Marlon Mack is a very difficult matchup. The Dallas Cowboys are actually a very good defense. And Dallas does a really good job of controlling the clock, so that definitely takes running backs off the field and offenses out of their rhythm. Mm-hmm. But the Giants are also not an easy matchup offensively for running backs. As well as the fact that the Giants are actually pretty stout in their front seven. I'm going to keep throwing these at you. I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire here, all right? All right. It's going to be all Derrick Henry versus somebody else. Derrick Henry or Adrian Peterson versus Jacksonville? AP. You like AP versus Jacksonville better than Derrick Henry versus the Giants? Yeah. Um, let's see. Derrick Henry or Jordan Howard versus Green Bay? Derrick Henry. Wow. That's crazy to talk about it like that. Right? Yeah. I, I loved Jordan Howard in the third third round this year. Hmm. Derrick Henry or Tevin Coleman against Arizona? Tevin Coleman. Derrick Henry or Peyton Barber against Baltimore? <laughs> Derrick Henry. Oh, man. Uh, I think that's pretty much where we're at with Derrick Henry right now. How about Derrick Henry? Uh, is Carrion Johnson playing this week? I'm not sure. 
We don't know yet, right? Let's say LeGarrette Blount starts. Derrick Henry or LeGarrette Blount versus Buffalo? Derrick Henry. Hmm. Seems like we like Derrick Henry a little more than we thought, no? I mean, we have labels the, like, RB is 28 and 27. Adrian Peterson, I thought, was, was, he was right there. I mean, you didn't think about that one much, but still. How about him or Dalvin Cook versus Miami? Dalvin Cook. Yeah, actually, now that I listen to those words dribble out of my mouth. Like, like even if it didn't make sense, I would still play Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry. Just because Dalvin Cook is better than Derrick Henry? I think that's an important takeaway from this. You gotta like know the talent that you're playing, folks. You can't just play a guy. It's not just analytics. No, it's not opportunity. It's not all numbers. In fact, it's honestly very little numbers, in my opinion. Uh, I would say it's a it's a solid mix. That's somewhere in the the fifty fifty to forty sixty range on any given week in either side's favor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I mean that's fair. It's just team teams don't consider their numbers when they game plan. No, they don't, but uh, a lot of times the numbers translate to the film. Not always. But so, like, let's say, um, like, the Eagles secondary. Like, people are targeting those corners. That translates to the statistics, and yeah. it translates to the game plan versus the Eagles. Teams are attacking the outside versus the Eagles at a rate. Yes. A rate which the numbers I don't have in front of me, but uh, quite frankly, watch an Eagles game and see how that goes. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's actually not even fair Again, what's happening to those young guys sometimes. Yeah, the injuries are the injuries. And with that, we'll try to keep you updated with injuries going forward in this week. Uh, and I think that's the end of the podcast. Do you have any last words, James? No, nah, just good luck, guys. If you have any start sick questions, please send them, direct message us. Join our link for the DraftKings tournament. And let us know what you want us to do next season to help you guys out even more so than we did this year. Yeah, we are hitting a part in the season where we're starting to think about the offseason and retooling the show a little bit, and uh, we're open to any suggestions, guys. Uh, in fact, the more the merrier, especially at this time of the year. Yeah, exactly. Just food for thought. It's just things to consider. We'll probably do a little bit more of a formal question questioning from our fan base, but that'll, that'll come in the future. Don't worry about that if we even choose to go that route. Yeah, this is just a, a just to plant it in there uh, that we do want to do some new things in the offseason, and uh, we'd love some suggestions. Guys, again, check us out on social media, and uh, just check out the platforms that we release the podcast on. If you want to hear what they are, very simple. Just go back to the beginning of the show, and we talk about it in like the first, what, minute or so. We talk about that. You can get all the info you need on that. On that note, I'm Justin Alfiero. I'm Jimmy LeBeau. And we are Run the Gauntlet's Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Good luck this week. Get into that fantasy championship. <laughs>